You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. All right, welcome into the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We have former University of Florida sports resident graduate, Marcus Owens. Marcus, welcome on in. Oh man, it's good to see you again, Chase. Thank you for having me. All right, Marcus. Um, why don't you give it a little bit of background about yourself? Um, where you grew up, um, what got you into PT, and what got you into sports physical therapy specifically? Okay, um, so... Hi everybody. Like like Chase said, my uh, my name is Marcus Owens, uh, and so originally I was born right outside Atlanta. I can't really say Atlanta because people get upset about that. But um, I moved to Tallahassee around the age of eleven or twelve, and so I kind of grew up in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, I ended up going to Alabama State University for undergrad to play football. Um, did that for four years minus one because I got injured one year, set out the whole season, and then I ended up coming back to Tallahassee to go to PT school. And then once I graduated from there, went down to University of Florida to, to complete the residency. Um, and just to kind of backtrack a little bit, how I got into physical therapy in high school, injured myself twice, went to physical therapy for it, went college in myself again and went to therapy for it. And that's kind of like the cliche answer that a lot of people give is they got hurt somehow, they went to therapy, and then all of a sudden they fell in love. And so that was kind of my my whole um, story on it and kind of what got me into sports physical therapy um, specifically. Like I said, I was an athlete, um, went to therapy. The therapist was able to get me back playing again, and I've always wanted to help other athletes do that. Um, and so kind of as my journey went on, I've learned more about sports PT, um, specifically as a, as a profession. And then that's kind of how I learned about residencies as well. Gotcha. Um, and so kind of tell us what made you choose UF's residency program in particular? Um, when applying to residencies, I believe I applied to like five or six, majority of them were in the Southeast. Um, that was due, that was due to, uh, distance family being in, still in Florida, fiance still being in Florida. So all of that played a part, but then also with that being said, knowing that I wanted to work either professionally or, or collegiately, that kind of helped tailor my application process to, to certain, um, either schools or programs. And that's kind of where UF came into play. UF, of course, is a top tier program with elite athletes. And so who would not want to go to the University of Florida? Um, and so that was one of the main reasons why I applied to them. I knew I would I would get what I needed from them, especially after talking to them um, through the interview process and, and what they provided and looking at their curriculum. University of Florida would, would, would have been a great fit for me. And so that even more solidified why I chose them. Um, so kind of talk a little bit about, you know, how do you think a sports residency kind of prepared you for working with higher level athletes compared to 
you know, your weekend warriors or people that are just trying to get back to doing their job and, you know, living pain free? So, I mean, you approach it the same way, um, in a sense, you approach it the same way as like your regular orthopedic patient. Um, but the difference is basically how do you structure it to get them to their optimal level of athleticism again? Um, that's one of the main differences with with like your elite athletes is you have to get them back to that elite status, especially after either a minor injury, a major injury, a traumatic injury or a surgery or, or whatever it may be. You have to find the way, research the way of how I can get this athlete back to where they were before that that said injury. Um, and that's why I, I, at, at UF, they kind of help structure that foundation of knowing what to ask, knowing where to go next. Okay, they have their knee straight. Now what do I do after that? Once they have this phase completed, where do I go after that? And then how do I make it patient focused, especially um, for a specific sport? Um, I got that foundation and that knowledge through the residency. And that was one of the, the main things that I think is different from what you would learn in PT school. Um, I don't know many uh, PT schools that actually go over like the sports realm of, of physical therapy. And we learn the basics, but we don't get to actually dive deep into the, the specifics of how to get this person back to a specific sport or, or whatever they may be going back to. All right. Um, so what are some things that, you know, before, after PT school, you got into the sports residency um, what are some things that, you know, sports has posed a challenge or something unexpected that's come up that you didn't think you would encounter while doing sports PT? I wouldn't say I, I encountered anything that different um, because you treat them basically the same as you would any other patient. Um, they're all in most most of the time they're trying to get back to something. And so even if you have the regular patient at another clinic who's trying to get back to work or trying to get back to lifting their kid or whatever. It's the same thing, except with sports, you may have a shorter timeline due to the length of the season. Maybe it's their senior year coming up. They're not planning on playing collegiately. Um, so sometimes the timeline is, a, is definitely a little bit different and it kind of puts a lot of pressure on not only the, the therapist, but the patient. And sometimes when the patient feels like they're under a lot of pressure, they tend to want to do a lot more than what we should at that moment. And so I would say that's probably like the biggest thing with with athletes is that especially if they're hurt, trying to get back to something that they may not have much time with doing for the rest of their life. So it's kind of kind of hard for them, but you have to kind of manage that as a as a therapist the best way you can. Right. And so what are some strategies that you use, you know, to talk to those patients? Like, let's say it's a high school senior that isn't going to play at the college level and it's his last year. How do you like go about bringing that up that it's like, hey, you got to you have 20 years or you, you have like, you know, hopefully a long life to live after, you know, high school sports. But you also want to give them that opportunity to like, you know, live out maybe their last sh- chance of playing like organized sports, you know. I mean, it is. It's just that you just have to talk to them straight, give them, give them what sometimes they may not want to hear, but 
in the end, you have to tell them as a therapist, your opinion, especially your, your therapeutic opinion, um, being as straight as you can is probably the most beneficial thing you, you can do for any patient, but also the athlete, um, especially for that high school athlete who may not be going going to college. I mean, yes, it's hard, but sometimes it happens. It's, it's life. Um, as a therapist, you don't want to put somebody in jeopardy just because they they don't want to miss their last season. Um, but at the end of that is if you can get them back safely, you let them know that this is our plan. This is how we, we try to get you back. If not at the beginning of the season, near the middle or the end or whatever, even if it's not the season, we still want to get you back as safely as we can. Um, sometimes that's not what they want to hear, but you know, as in, in our profession, sometimes we have to tell patients something that they don't want to hear. Um, and that's, that's life in general, but that's kind of what, what we have to deal with. And those conversations are something that I haven't had too many opportunities to have, but the couple times that I've had, had them, you know, sometimes I kind of, especially if it's a younger athlete, um, it's something I kind of just let them stew over and eventually they kind of always come around to it because they realize, you know, I don't want to be having a, a gimp knee for, you know, the rest of my life. You know, uh, it, it might suck, but I can go, you know, still cheer, cheer, cheer my teammates on during the game, still participate in practice, like, you know, on the sidelines by doing whatever I can. Um, so those are all really good strategies to kind of address those conversations. Um, so as you completed your residency, um, what are some things that you've, you know, kind of picked up on or learned when communicating amongst the sports medicine team, whether it be athletic trainers or amongst the team physicians or even among the surgeons? Uh, communication is key. So when you come up on something you think it needs to be communicated, communicate it, uh, especially with the other people who have hands on that particular athlete or patient, especially when it comes to the athletic trainer, the orthopedic surgeon, uh, the strength and conditioning coach, all of that and all of that communication plays a key role in how quickly and efficiently we can get that person back. Um, if you happen to see a setback or something, it's always good to talk to the orthopedic surgeon just to let them know kind of what's going on, see if they have a different opinion about something or even talking to the athletic trainer because we may see the the athlete maybe two or three times a week, but usually the athletic trainer, especially at the collegiate level, is going to see them every day. So having that, that rapport with different clinicians um, helps with the everyday process of treating that patient. And then also sometimes the athlete might tell the athletic trainer something that they didn't tell the therapist or they didn't tell the orthopedic surgeon or vice versa. So it's always good for everybody to kind of be on the same page um, because that the one time that you're not on the same page is kind of when everything goes, goes awry. So communication is key and that's with everybody, including the patient. If the patient's parents are involved, sometimes them, uh, or whoever has close contact with that person. And, you know, I've asked this question like a couple times on past podcasts and that's like been the most important, you know, I think most common thread amongst them. And I think it kind of goes to show that make just talking and, you know, not worrying about hurting people's feelings, but just keeping the athlete first, um, is going to be the most beneficial for, um, the patient. 
Um, so now that you've kind of had a year year of experience, um, do you view sports PT any differently now, or has there anything about like about sports PT has anything shifted in your viewpoint? Uh, shifted? No, I would definitely say my has probably grown. Um, being able to be a part of that atmosphere, especially at University of Florida, it definitely solidified my thought process of this is what I want to do. Um, don't get me wrong. I love helping people in general, but being able to help an athlete the way that I was helped, it, it just, it does something to me to, to where it's like, I, I enjoy doing this and I can probably do this without even losing it, losing a beat. So, um, Nothing has changed to downgrade it, but it's probably upgraded my my love for sports PT all over again. Um, and so, kind of just speaking broad, like more broadly, what makes a great sports PT to you? You obviously had you know different mentors throughout PT school, and then different mentors throughout residency. Um, so, what are some characteristics that you've no, you've noticed that you know it's like you look at them and like, man, they they're they're good sports PT. It's kind of the same characteristics that makes. A good PT in general, somebody who cares, somebody who's going to take the time to listen to the athlete, communicate with the athlete, but also somebody who's always willing to learn. Um, in sports PT, there is a lot of research coming out now about different things with different athletes, different protocols, different rehab processes. And so uh, somebody who's always still willing to learn and, and not caught in the their tunnel vision of therapy um, that makes a, a great physical therapist in general, but also a great sports physical therapist. Um, being able to adapt is also a huge part of it because sometimes things pop up, different, different things happen day to day. Um, the patient might come in with a totally different type of pain or whatever it is. Um, but adaptation is definitely a, a huge factor, and especially working in the sports realm. Um, sometimes when you get on the higher level uh, or the higher tiers of sports, sometimes people just pop up and, and you have to work with them. Um, so being able to adapt and deal with multiple people at one time is, is, is definitely a huge thing. And then kind of building off of that even a little bit more, what do you recommend for any aspiring sports PT? Um, like I know you've talked to lots of people in the past, um, but what's some advice that you would give to someone that wants to kind of break into the world, whether it's through like a residency or whether it be through like private practice or any other avenue? Basically just continue to learn, continue to put yourself um, and continue down your path. If you really want to do do that just make sure you're you're putting yourself in the right positions to do it um one of the questions that a lot of people ask me about what did you do to get yourself into the residency and um when i was talking to the director of, of university of florida's residency one of the things that they said was it, it wasn't the stuff that you did in pt school that made you look good it was the stuff that you did outside of pt school um so for example some of the things that that i did i helped uh, volunteer with the FAMU football team with the, with their athletic trainer and physical therapist. Um, I volunteered with my high school. I helped do venue coverage with them. So basically putting myself in positions to, to always learn, um, but also getting observation hours to help, to help me learn, to help 
um, put hours down to, to put the, my feet on the ground to, per se. So basically always just striving to do what you want to like work for. So that's kind of how I've always felt about it. If you really want to work for something, you'll do the, you'll put in the work to actually achieve like whatever that is. All right. I think that's, you know, that's great advice, especially, um, I mean, it can go through any routes of sports or, you know, neuro or outpatient or like, you know, inpatient, if you really want to do it, it just takes, you know, extra time and extra effort on your own part to make sure that you can achieve your goal. Um, Marcus, I got one more question and then I'll get you out of here. Um, kind of talk us through like a, a day in the life of, a, you know, a UF sports PT resident and then give us like a most memorable moment. And um, I won't be I'll be a little bit offended if you don't say meeting me at the residency. Um, but if you have another answer, that's fine, too. Well, definitely, definitely meeting. I'll put it this way. Meeting all the students was also a, a big turning point of that residency. So I'm not just going to say you, Chase. I'm going to say all the students. All right. But um, a day in the life of a resident at University of Florida, um, there's a time commitment, a huge time commitment, and that's any residency. So if you if you guys are out there wanting to go to residency, just know that there is a huge time commitment. Um, and Chase kind of knows because he was there, I, I believe, for two months of my residency of, of how much venue coverage um, me and my co-resident were putting in. Uh, the research, the articles that we've had to read, the cases that we had to kind of go over, the mentorship that we had to also be a part of, not only um, for us, but some of the students asking us questions as well. So even though that we had mentors, we were mentors to other people as well. Um, but to kind of put it into like a, a structure, we worked Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturday, if we had venue coverage on Saturday. Um, we had, uh, our own case, our own caseload that wasn't UF athletes in spe specifically, but we had our own caseload and majority of them were like weekend warriors, uh, high school athletes, um, even some like low back pain, osteoarthritis. So we were still seeing, um, the gamut of, of diagnoses and everything like that. Um, we were also, uh, teachers assistants for the UF uh, PT program. Um, so we helped them out with their musculoskeletal class. And uh, so we did that, I believe, like Tuesday, Thursday in the fall. And I want to say it was Wednesday, Friday or something like that in the in the summer. But um, you basically put in a lot of work. But in the end, it's something that is beneficial to you in, as a whole. I learned so much and I, I can say that my co-resident Angel, he learned a lot. And that was basically based on the structure that we had at the residency. We put in a lot of work reading articles, doing research ourselves um, and asking questions. Um, just because we were there, we, we, we had the opportunity to ask a multitude of different therapists, different questions because they specialized in different things. So we had people we can talk to about running cases with ACL cases with um, overhead throwers, uh, weightlifting, like whatever you, you think of, we had the mentors there to, to actually help us with it. And that was a, a, a huge thing for us, especially at, at UF. All right, cool. So yeah, thank you for, you know, for giving us a day in the life. Um, 
you know, every everybody I've talked to that's gone through a residency or even, you know, wants to be in sports BT kind of emphasizes like how much work it takes. And it's, it, and it's, you can't just do it if you kind of like it. You got to love it to be able to put in that work because otherwise you're just going to get burnt out and you got to really have that passion to make sure that this is exactly what you want to do. Um, so Marcus, I really appreciate your time. Um, you know, I'm a little upset you didn't single me out as your favorite student that well, that was there, but it's okay. I'll let it pass um, for coming on the podcast. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug or anything that you would like to, um, you know, shout out on social media or anything like that? Well, this is, um, I guess I can tell you first, uh, the research project that I, that I completed at UF just got accepted for a platform presentation at CSM. So for the guys listening, uh, CSM, February 2nd through 5th, I believe, in San Antonio, Texas, come and see me uh, speak about subscapularis repairs and biceps tenodesis. Plug. Well, there well, there you go. That's a, that's a great and wholesome plug. Uh, Marcus, again, thank you so much for your time. It was great talking to you again. And um, this is the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. All right. Thank you for having me again, man. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast with our guest, Marcus Owens. If you learned anything new, enjoyed our guests, or want to hear more episodes from great future ones, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening. Every like and subscribe means more than you know.